Hello, and welcome back to the Palette Plug Podcast. Today, our guest is Ashley Testa with Heritage Palettes down in Georgia. Uh, she's going to give us some information about Heritage, how they got started, explain a little bit more about her position there as the sales manager, and maybe some fun stories about sales with palettes, some more helpful tips for people that are either looking to get started or have been in the business for a bit and uh, are just looking for other ways to approach a sales conversation. So uh, Ashley, would you maybe go into how Heritage got started, the story behind the business? Yeah, absolutely. First off, thank you for having me on here. Really appreciate it. And I um, you know, just joined the Palette Plug, so I'm excited to be an affiliate there as well. Um, but yeah, I kind of stumbled in the world of palettes, just like everyone else. But um, Heritage Palettes is a family-run and operated company, um, you know, full manufacturer. So we do new palettes, recycled palettes, custom palettes, you know, we recycle back the bad palettes. So we are full service. Um, but a little bit about our company, there's kind of two different aspects to it. So when we first started, it was owned by um, a different guy who came in and he did roofing and trust company. And then okay. my now boss and owner, he owned a palette company with his father back in Boston, or he worked for a palette company in Boston, um, new cool. company. So he's kind of, you know, been in palettes his entire life. Okay. He moved down to Georgia, got with the old um, owner, Robert, and kind of gave him his background in palettes. And the owner was like, you know what? That doesn't sound like a bad idea. Let's give it a go. Um, so Bob Waters is the, um, the name of the owner now. Started the company as a general manager and got it up and running in 1995. Um, so they've just been you know, working since then. And the other owner, Stephanie Beck, she worked for her father. There's a father-daughter duo. So they worked okay. together. Back when she was in high school, she would come in and do administrative work. And that kind of turns into a sales position. And mm -hmm. um, so they're both, you know, working for Heritage, building it up. Previous owner expressed that he was, you know, looking to sell it, move on. And they got together. And that's when the general manager, Bob, and the sales rep, Stephanie, decided, hey, you know, let's take this and run with it and really grow it. So the opportunity just kind of lined up and they purchased it together in 2019. So they've owned it, you know, I guess going on almost four years and it's just really have exploded since they took it over. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. It's really nice to see. So we're a family company, you know, the father and daughter, they're in the office every single day. It's just really nice to have them, you know, hands on and really invest back into the company because I was part of the company, you know, when the other one was there and he was not as hands on, you know, he's still a great guy and, you know, wanted the best for everyone, but it just wasn't his bread and butter. You have to like really have a passion for pallets, I would say, to <laughs> yeah. you know, put everything in it. And it wasn't his passion, but, you know, Bob being in pallets his entire life, you know, knew what to do and how to grow the company in his own hands and having, you know, his daughter, Stephanie, who's, you know, a whole different generation can put her spin on it and bring, you know, different technology advancements and, you know, things that can really help us grow and not just be, you know, small pallet company from white Georgia, but, you know, respectable company in the industry. Yeah. So, so the original owner, um, it, this is, so the people owning it now, are those the ones who were from Boston or those are the ones who were from Georgia? Yes. So the ones who own it now, it seems um, Robert Waters, Bob and Stephanie Beck, he's, they're actually both from Boston. I'm from Boston myself, okay. but that's like a, Oh really? I okay. I did not know them up there. Uh, but yeah, he ran the pot company with his pop is very successful pot company up in New England. And, you know, it's just, since he was 13 years old, it's kind of just in the industry and, you know, working with his dad and 
you know, he moved down south and started, you know, at a roofing and trust company and mentioned to the owner, like, hey, you know, this is what I did up in New England. And, you know, that's when they kind of started Heritage Palettes. And he ran that successfully for over 20 years, um, you know, as the general manager and production manager and just was ready to take the next level. And once he was ready to sell, it was just like, okay, this this lined up. That's awesome. Timing yeah. is is everything. It seems like in this yeah. business, so right. that's really cool. Is does right. they do they still have the pallet business up in Boston, or did that like? Yeah, no, no, that shut down. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, he's gotcha. No with us, but yeah, they shut that down. And you know, I know Bob did not want to get in pallets again. I don't think. I don't think you realized <laughs> that it would be a lifelong thing for him. But it's just it's what he knows and it's what he's great at. Well, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, if you spend so much time learning something, do you want to go and try and learn something new or just continue to implement the knowledge that you have and just continue to pass it down? And like you said, it's generational now at this point. So his daughter has is taken over and hopefully continues to, um, you know, expand the business in the way that they have. So it's funny that you said you're from Boston because I saw your last name is Testa. My grandmother's maiden name was Testa. No way. Was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I was uh, like, my last name is Pecorero, but her okay. last name was Testa. And I was like, I don't hear, you don't hear too many Italian last names down in the South. So I was curious as yeah. to where. Well, Testa is my married name and my maiden okay. name is Murata, which is also, you know, super Italian, um, you know, Boston name. Yeah. I don't really see it in the South, but up North, you know, you can throw a rock and you know find some <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so so i'm curious how how did you get into pallets because i believe it's been seven almost eight years now that you've been in pallets yeah well it's one of those things you have to know somebody in the pallet industry to really even know that it's out there to begin with i feel like Fair. no one thinks about pallets you know when they're saying what do i want to do when i grow up yeah. um, so it's one of those things where you really have to know somebody in the industry. And I was fortunate enough when I moved down here from Boston, I had met um, the owner's youngest daughter and okay. we became really good friends. She's still my best friend to this day. So I've been a family friend of um, the waters for gosh, over 20 years now. Um, so I've, you know, knew what they did, but not really like pallets kind of like, you don't really think too much of it. And like the volume of pallets that are actually, you know, being produced and sold every single day. Um, yeah. So I had just graduated college with a degree in sports management, so nothing related nothing to pallets. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I kind of knew I've always wanted to be in sales. Um, I believe there was a guest on um, your podcast, Tyler, I think his name was, that said, you know, going back to being a kid, door-to-door candy sales. Mm -hmm. You know, as a salesperson, you just either have it or you don't. And I was like, that's so true because thinking back, even in Girl Scouts, I was – you know, I would lose sleep if I wasn't the top, you know, cookie sales girl. <laughs> yep, yep. Post online and everyone buys your cookies. Like you had a hustle for it. And I loved it. Like I, I felt it was very rewarding, you know, to have the recognition of, you know, the whole process of, you know, sales. And I was like, okay, graduate college, I definitely want to do something in sales. When you look on that line, all you really see is um, medical sales, software sales, which is insurance. Fun, you know? Yeah. Insurance, exactly. Um, you know, real estate. So, of course, I teetered with that a little bit to like, okay, is this, you know, an industry I want to get into? And like you said, timing is everything. I was actually at a wedding um, of another family friend and Bob and Stephanie were attending. And I remember I was talking um, to both of them and Stephanie, she's only a few years older than me. And she's just always had like her life figured out. You know, she always just seemed to be successful. And, for her. <laughs> and like, yeah, somebody that like you want to be, you want to look up to and like someone that can inspire you. And 
I remember saying, I was like, I want to be the next Stephanie. Like, how do I get to where you're at? So it's fresh out of college, you know, people owning their own house and, you know, it's just, it seems so far-fetched. Like, how do I get there? Yeah. And fortunately for me, they were actually teetering with like bringing in another sales rep because she was kind of burnt out from that. She was like, you know what? I've hit the road, you know, I've done all that. I want to bring someone else in to grow the company. And they asked if I'd come in for an interview and I've been there ever since. Wow. That's awesome. So very much timing oriented. Yeah. And that was your, yeah. go ahead. What'd you say? Timing and knowing somebody for sure. Yeah. 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 And that's definitely helpful too. Um, but so you, you had had some amount of sales experience prior to this, or was it kind of like you dabbled a little bit? It wasn't like you I held no official experience. I okay. bartender, you know, did all that selling stuff like that. But my dad has ran car dealerships, you know, Oh, well, there life. you go. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things that, you know, you, you, you learn and you see it, you know, car salesman type mentality. Um, so it just was natural for me. I feel like it was a good fit, um, but I knew nothing about the industry. I knew nothing about pallets. I knew nothing about what I was trying to promote. So that was a huge learning curve for me. It's like, okay, I know how to talk to people and get in the door and do these things, but to be confident enough in the product that I'm selling, that took a little bit of time to really understand it all and all the logistics that surround it. So when you started out, was it um, like just over the phone or were you also doing door-to-door uh, -door -door sales and oh, it was going out? Very, very heavily door-to-door -door sales. Okay. Bob is, you know, old school mentality. You get your face in front of, you know, the customer and go from there, which was a great approach. You know, you really got to get in the door and meet these warehouse managers and, you know, see their operations. You can see, you know, their pallets being used every day and you can identify weak points and their current, you know, supplier type deal, you can say, okay, why are you using that pallet compared to, you know, this great pallet or, you know, is there a reason you're doing this? And I could really see, you know, ground level what they were doing. So hitting the ground on cold calling days was super beneficial. And from there, it's easy to develop a relationship because they trust you. You came in and you, you know, were a solution to them. You weren't just a supplier. I provided, you know, value to them. And then from there, like, okay, I can trust her and, you know, move forward and develop, you know, long lasting relationships. I mean, I've been there for eight years and I still have customers from, you know, my first year of sales, which wow. it's a lot um, on what, you know, the company's been able to provide for them and, you know, me as a sales rep and account manager. So it's just transitioned, I would say over the past couple of years, um, it's not as easy to get in the doors. COVID had a big effect on that and, yeah. you know, things have changed pretty drastically, but, you know, that's probably my number one um, success is going into the facilities and you know being on the floor how how did you go about like learning this new business that you like you knew nothing about this did stephanie write out like a palette 101 handbook and this is the process <laughs> or like how did how did you go about learning that and being able to hone your craft stephanie is very organized and she loves her documents and loving out having all that in place so she provided me with all of that literature you know and just reading more and Bob just having this vast knowledge of anything and everything pallets, I could always, you know, turn to him and ask questions and, you know, would go out in the yard and could show me different things. And it's just, the longer you're in it, obviously, you know, the easier it becomes to spot out the difference between a B grade pallet on the floor and an A grade. And there's just, you know, so many small changes between the pallets, but it's just having the availability and the resources, you know, and someone that cares and someone I feel comfortable going to and asking questions with. And I'm still learning. I think we're all still learning. It's just, yeah. you know, things change, regulations changes and guidelines and standards. It's just, you know, never ending knowledge. But, you know, I do feel comfortable 
being able to provide a service and, you know, quality palette to customers. So just you to go in confidently. And, you know, if you don't know everything, you don't pretend to know everything. You can take yeah. questions <laughs> You don't need to put your foot in your mouth by trying to be to know it all. You know, you can be like, that is you know, a valid question. I'm going to get with, you know, my team and, you know, find out exactly how we can solve that for you. I think that is a very big point. You know, I think that people in this industry and, and I think across the board, people prefer honesty and transparency rather than just, like you said, just trying to talk out your mouth or talk out the other direction, you know, <laughs> like you yeah. just spew something just because you think it sounds good. But at the same time, it's like, if that person knows what they're talking about and knows about the subject that you're talking about, you kind of just look like a fool. So it's definitely good that you you take a second and like recognize when you don't know the information um, and are able to also like you've just developed that skill at this point. You've learned enough to be able to walk in somewhere and have those conversations where it's uh, it's more comfortable. You know, you're not just sitting there kind of like searching around and being like, OK, where do I go? Like, do you have a do you have a checklist that you walk in with and you're like, OK, what am I looking for? These are the topics of conversation I try to have every single time. Like what what is your process at this point when you go somewhere? Well, it's different for everyone. I wish I can say like there's, you know, a set rule list that I kind of follow and go through. But I have it in my head. You know, I never want to talk pricing right away. I never want to you know push my service down my throat. I try to listen. At first. I try to go in. I listen, you know, because they met with me for a reason. You know, they're either having you know, service issues that's lacking, quality issues, um, you know, not necessarily again the right product. So they brought me in because they're open to having a vendor change. So at first I just sit down, I listen, you know, I try to learn about the contact, you know, on a personal level a little bit, you know, I never want to just dive right into business. Um, learn if they have any kids, you know, if they're from Georgia, you know, kind of how do they get to the position that they're in? So we start there. Um, have them be a little bit more comfortable with me. I, you know, provide them details about my life if they're interested and in kind of, you know, <laughs> common, you know, connection where they're like, okay, now let's kind of transition this into business. So then like I said, I, I listen to, you know, what they're missing in their operations. Pallets are one of those things that it's the first thing somebody needs, but the last thing anyone wants to think about. Um, so that's a, I like that. Okay. I've seen it so many times. They're like, you know, when people run out of pallets, like, oh my God, I work, keep an eye on my pallets because, you know, they're just, behind scenes type thing. They're just always there. They're always circulating. So unless yeah. you're really focused on it, it's so easy to be overlooked and it's, you know, streamlined where people are like, oh, well, I've had a vendor, you know, in for years. It's like, okay, but what are they providing you? They're like, well, it's just easy to keep them. So, okay, <laughs> you're just doing it easier, but are there areas that could be improved upon? And once you kind of nail those out, you can go into, you know, pricing and quality and trial. But like, you know, if you want to test out ours compared to what you're currently getting, um, you know, would be happy to set that up. Yeah, I I feel like that's got to be quite a difficult conversation to navigate in person, you know, because I feel like over the phone, it's kind of easy to, I used to sell cars, right? So like, it's one of those things where my manager would always be like, there was one time where I was like, I don't want to call this person, you know, like, they're a little intimidating. They're like, they're straight about the price of the car. Like, I don't want to do it. And he was like, here, hand me your headset. And I was like, okay, why? And he's like, I'm going to beat you with this because that is the only way that this person is going to hurt you. You yeah. know, and I was like, all right, like, it's a little aggressive, but okay. But, uh, but in person, you know, it's kind of like you, you, you have to be on it a little bit more. You have to be like ready to answer those questions a little bit quicker. So like, how, how do you go about that? Like when you walk in a place, like, 
keeping the conversation to what you want to talk about. And well, obviously, like you want to listen and, and like you said, engage in a, in a more human way, not just straight to business. But I, I guess it's like, like I said, it's like those those lists of questions to to know, to ask and to navigate. Like, are there certain things that you look for when you walk in somewhere and then you're like, OK, I know I can talk about that. Or is it more like you need to hear it directly from them? So I like to get them out of the office. You know, we sit down when we first meet, usually go into a conference room or I sit into their office and we talk for a little bit, but I try to redirect them to the floor. Be like, oh, can you show me X, Y, and Z? Can you, you know, show me operations? And people that are in the warehouse, they're usually pretty passionate about their facility and, you know, keeping everything in line. So they're happy to go out and show you, you know, either a new automation that they just put in or their racking system or their, Mm. you know, frozen floor. So I just walk through the warehouse and I'm listening, you know, having them point out all these things while I'm identifying different things in the pallet industry that I can then bring to them as far as um, number one grade or wood that has mold on it. I'm like, are you mold resistant? Or are you not mold resistant? You just kind of see things in the warehouse that could present as an issue because I've seen them as the issues at the end term customer. I've had to deal with it, you know, and provide those solutions to customers that I have. So I asked them, like, are any of your end users, you know, food grade or they mold sensitive? Um, why necessarily are you ordering a new pallet when you're only putting, you know, cardboard boxes on it? Are there reasons behind that? Could we save you some money by switching to maybe an A grade, you know, premium A grade? Um, so I'm just trying to identify exactly what they're doing on their daily operations and how I can kind of adjust that. And sometimes you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, sometimes what they're doing is working, but they're not having on-time deliveries. They're not having Mm -hmm. contacts that are reaching out. If, you know, sometimes things get delayed, it happens. But if you're not open and honest about it and you're just kind of hiding behind your computer and just saying, oh, well, their order didn't go, that affects people. And if, you know, their supplier is not being upfront with them about things, that's an issue that they may have that I can, you know, go in and solve and, you know, provide examples of you know, X, Y, and Z, we helped our customer in that time of need. So just yeah. really- I think that's super important. I, th- I I feel as though, and again, just opinion-based and experience-based, but with pallets, it's like, oh, it's just wood. It's just nails, you know, like, like you're saying, oh, they didn't get their delivery. Like they're probably used to that. It's not that big a deal. But like, would you say the, in your experience, the customer service side of things, like, is that the reason you still have customers that you've worked with from the get-go? Like when you started, like what has really helped you throughout your process and your career to one, help people, but to um, bring on more people. (laughs) It's kind of repetitive, but you see where I'm trying to go with, with the question. Yeah. Being a family owned and operated company has really helped us provide customer service that, I mean, is almost unmatched because everyone on our team cares so directly about each account that we have. You know, our owners know every single account that, you know, comes into the company, every single, you know, order that comes through, the owners have eyes on it. Our general manager has eyes on it. We're constantly talking about our account. So everyone is treated, you know, like a part of our family because it is a big family company. You know, like I joke around with Bob all the time saying I'm his fourth daughter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't agree, but um, <laughs> I'm keep pushing it. But right. all care. that's the thing. We all care. And I've always provided direct communication. I'm like, my cell phone number, you know, is open anytime. 
and my customers know that they can call me, they can text me, and they can get in touch with me. There's not a chain of command that they have to reach out to before they find a solution or they get an emergency order that they need. They call me directly. I speak with the general manager or the owners, and you know it's done. It's we just all really care, and our customers know that. And the longer you're with us, you can see that you know we generally care about them as people and their business, their business model, because we know. What happens if you run out of pallets? We know, you know, how much it costs a line to shut down for an hour. So we take those things in consideration and we just really try to, you know, eliminate that headache from our customers. That's great. I, th- I think it's super important. And it really, this is, that's the whole reason for this, right? The whole podcast, the intention is to bring focus back to businesses like that and make people recognize and be aware of the fact that like, you guys can help make a difference. It's not just a matter of of pallets. Like there is so much more behind it. And if you care as a business owner, it really does help everyone along the way. And so I, I, I value that a lot. I think it's really awesome. And it's great that you guys take so much pride in that and that it really shines through. And like you said, you still have people that you worked with seven years ago, eight years ago. So it's really awesome to see. And I, I'm curious, like from sales rep to sales manager like do you now get people are there people under you that you get to oversee now yes i we're growing a team so right now there's only one sales rep um aside from myself that i manage but you know as we continue to grow we want to bring on more um but a big change that we had right before we brought in a sales rep is we brought in an account manager which we have never had before it was always Hmm. you know the sales rep went from finding the business to maintaining the business and just being that point of contact for scheduling. Every single thing went through the sales rep, which I loved. I love that aspect of it because, you know, it kept me close with my customers. Um, But trying to be on the road and maintain, you know, all of the rush orders are coming in and scheduling changes and small things that, you know, have me pull over while I'm trying to cold call to handle. (laughs) It just, it wasn't efficient any longer. We grew to the pot where we had so many accounts, you know, reaching out every single day that it wasn't efficient for me to do at all. So like, okay, how can we, you know, turn this into a team effort? And we brought on an account manager who is in office, you know, every day and she handles any, you know, small need that comes in, any pickup requests, any scheduling. Um, And if there's any main issues, you know, I'm copied onto that and I handle that and I still have customers that will call me um, directly just because it's what they're used to. And I'm not gonna tell them, you know, you need to do it this way, but we're working as a team. We have, you know, a system in place now that's to prevent anything from falling through the cracks. So bringing that account manager on has really helped us be able to really dive into just sales um, and bringing on a new sales rep. The sales rep that we brought on has had experience in industry as far as like freight, um, you know, oh, okay. and kind of just dealing with the transport side of things, but didn't yeah. necessarily have background in so beginning part of it is just really coaching him on the industry and said he'll still be learning it just you'll never obtain all that knowledge um and then it went from you know learning about that to taking him on the road cold calling because all of his experience was on the phone so as you said it's a totally different ball different yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i prefer you know going in person rather than on the phone i don't know if absolutely generation that's like terrified of phone calls like you said you know yeah (laughs) Like I have to call and make a doctor's appointment. What do you mean? I can't just like do it on my phone. I just I don't like phone calls. It just yeah. what it is. I rather go in person. So I had to, you know, bring him in and kind of just have him shadow me a little bit to show this is how 
I get through the door, number one, if we don't have a meeting set up, you know, you can't be afraid of, we call them, you know, the guard dogs in the front. Oh, yeah. The jobs to turn us away. Um, yep. You the gatekeepers. <laughs> yeah, the gatekeepers. You can't be afraid of them um, because you are providing a valuable service. You know, we're not going in and trying to sell these companies on a software that they don't currently have or, you know, bringing something in that they currently aren't using. They're using pallets. I'm just trying to provide them with a better pallet and better service. So I'm like, we are here to provide value. We're not here. You know, I'm not selling cookies. I'm giving you guys something that you already <laughs> use, maybe providing cost savings. You know, we're here to add value. So as long as you're confident in what you're bringing, you know, you can get through those gatekeepers. If not, you can't be afraid to go around back to the ship and receiving office. Yeah. You, know, you just, you have to feel like you're supposed to be there. And I was, you know, just training him on that aspect of it. You know, it's just get your face in front of the decision. Necessarily won't be decision maker, but the person who handles that pallet on a daily basis. Yeah. And, you know, you'll, you'll have, you know, a good conversation. They'll either, you know, want to talk more or they'll turn you away, but it's just the experience and having them turn you away. That's learning curve too. And that doesn't mean it's over. You can reach out to them down the road. Yeah. So becoming a manager has definitely changed how I see things because it kind of was natural to me before, you know, I did it for eight years. So going in and talking to these people, I didn't realize that it can be scary for someone else. So it's just kind of, seeing where he's at and just making sure he feels comfortable and, you know, he has the resources available to him and, you know, I'll make sure that I will go to any meeting that he has. So that way he feels like he has someone with more expertise there. Just, it's hard to transition to the manager role when I'm still such a passionate sales rep. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I want to do the sales team. Like, okay, wait, I want him to be successful as well. So. Right. Still, you just walk in there. Yeah. Still expecting oh, to sell. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm training right now. So it's definitely been a learning curve for me. And, you know, it's just looking for continued education for us and just really trying to get out there. I think that's great. I, I hope that your words are confidence inspiring for others, because I feel like you've brought up so many good points of like, one, this product and service is something that like they are already using, like you said, they're not, they're, they've never heard of you before, or maybe your company, but like, they know what a pallet is. They use it every single day. It's like, they need it in their business. So that itself, I think is, is confidence and fire inspiring for some people if they're selling pallets, whether it's their own business or they're a broker or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, if you know, a company is using pallets and shipping a product, like, focus on that you're trying to provide value in that mm -hmm. but i think also like you have so much pride in the company that you work for and the product that you guys provide that that in itself also has really helped you out it sounds like and knowing that like whatever it is that you're selling whether it's a custom an a a b he treated new whatever like you know that your company is going to provide a solid yeah. quality product so it makes your conversations so much easier and and then on top of that, like you're saying, you've been doing it for so long now that you're like, all right, well, I know what I'm doing, but training somebody else, yeah. they're like, dude, I don't, I don't know what a pallet <laughs> is. I don't know the sizes, you know, like you probably maybe when starting out, walked around with like a tape measure, but these days I'm sure that you're like, I know what size that is. Yeah, so I can just sure. look at it and tell. Thickness. Yeah, I can tell, you know, if you're, you're having six inch leech board, your eyes can see it, but you got to kind of 
break that down and be like, okay, well, not everyone looking at this is going to know it. So I need to make sure that I'm training him properly. So down the road, he can just eyeball it. So you're right. I started putting a tape measure back into my, my bag and <laughs> all stuff that I, you know, kind of lost along the way. And it brings you back to just the basic sales model too. You know, it's good to kind of reevaluate, not be so, you know, go, go, go type thing to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, I can better my process while also instilling good practices for my sales rep. That's great. I, I, what what do you think are some of the biggest things that you've kind of like caught yourself doing that you've needed to slow down and like teach this this new person in the industry? Kind of in the way, like if somebody were new to the business, like what do you think would be the most important things to maybe take note of or that you would tell them to educate themselves on? Well, it's funny you mentioned the word slow down because my owners always give me a hard time about just slowing down in general. They're like, You're from the Northeast. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> and they're like, when, I, when they knew I was coming on here, I was like, Hey, any, you know, words of advice? They're like, Take a Benadryl and slow down. <laughs> I was like, Okay. A Benadryl. <laughs> yeah, I won't be doing that. But they're like, You know, I get ahead of myself pretty, pretty quickly. You know, I see the roadmap and I see the finish line, I kind of, you know, want to get there. Um, Cause I know once I'm there, the customer is going to be happy. But like you said, there's so many steps and processes that need to be in place, you know, for somebody new in the industry and somebody that does not have the background that I do. Um, so it's just really just being out there. This is the best way I can describe it. Like bringing, I bring them up to the Exposure. I'm, um, going through our inventories and the stacks and just, you know, trying to teach them how the eye of the different grades. And, um, you know, we're, I'm still learning how to implement new processes and guidelines for him. So it's still a learning curve for me. So maybe you can get back to me in that question a month. <laughs> <All right. laughs> more of an answer for you. That works for me. When, when you feel like you've gotten there, let me know and we can have you back on. And maybe we can even have you and your sales rep come on and he could talk about his experience and what he's learned and things like that. Um, but so I, I, I was going to ask, like, what do you feel makes Heritage unique in the industry? How do you guys try and set yourself apart? And I don't want to say that this is the answer because I feel as though you, you've made a point to say uh, about like family owned and operated and pride in the product. But so is there is there other things that you feel like really helps set you guys apart or certain things yeah. that you guys? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we have our own pot of land, number one. You know, there's so many cool. of the different acquisitions going on where, you know, their companies are being bought up. And we're still standing strong as our own entity. And, you know, we own that land that we're on. We're not going anywhere. Awesome. We actually have 24 additional acres that is undeveloped right now that we're looking to expand wow. on. Um, we own and operate our own fleets. Uh, so we have over 150 trailers in our fleets. We drive our own trucks, you know, so all the pallets coming out of our facility are being brought in our trucks and trailers by our own drivers. Um, you know, wow. we aren't working with, you know, logistic companies to get those out. We're handling everything directly. Um, we also, I know a lot of people have heat treat kiln, but we have the heat treat kiln, which is a deal right. breaker for a lot of customers. I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't have that. Um, and we, you know, mostly deal with recycled pallets, but we also have a whole facility that is dedicated to custom built sides. So, wow. you know, we just are really looking to do it all and we're looking to grow and like mentioned, the company is being invested back into by the owners 
and like so we just cleared an acre i mean you can only clear really an acre at a time with permits and stuff but we just mm. cleared an acre just have more room for trailers so right after they cleared that acre and did the crash and run they bought 10 additional trailers so it's just wow yeah they're just really looking <laughs> to grow and um you know ready to put the money needed to do so and you know you can put your money where your mouth is and just sit back or you're going to actually really invest in making things easier for, you know, the laborers up there. It's not easy building pallets. I have the utmost respect for our guys who dismantle the pallets, who, you know, are building these pallets by hand, but they're looking to, you know, have more automation. So it's not so labor intensive. So they can produce more pallets, but it's also not wearing them down, you know, as heavily as it is now. So it's just, there's so many things that could set us apart, but it's just, it does go back to caring, you know, about, you know, your employees and the business. And that's what the family is. That's awesome. And I think the fact that they show up every day or they're in the office and they're around it, they really like, they, they can't put their blinders on and not think about it. Or it's not like there's a guy sitting up in this really tall building that like, you know, doesn't have to care or concern himself with any of the operations. Like as long as he's getting his paycheck, he's happy, mm -hmm. but no, they like, they know how much everybody around them will determine their success as well. So they want to continue to provide yeah. um, like, like them hiring a new sales rep, like one, it probably makes your life a whole heck of a lot easier and is going to just continue to allow the business to grow and to expand. So uh, that's, it's, it's great to hear that. And it's really awesome. And it's super cool that they like, just continue to like act quickly on the things from clearing the land to buying the trailers. It's like, they don't mess around. It sounds like either. So that's really great. Okay. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So I, I was curious, like in your experience, what are some of the biggest challenges faced by companies in the pallet industry, particularly, particularly in the terms of sales and how do you guys try to overcome that at heritage? The challenge that I feel like I'm facing right now is the redirection of the decision makers. As I mentioned before, you know, you can get on the ground level, meet the warehouse manager. He's the one who makes the decisions on his pallet vendor um, mm -hmm. with streamlining and big corporations kind of taking that out of the hands of the actual warehouse manager. It's in the corporate office. You know, it's harder to reach the procurement directors and the sourcing companies and dealing with big RFQs compared to, you know, just being able to close the business on a handshake. Um, it just really has changed our approach and, you know, the scalability of some of the bigger pallet companies is something that we're competing against as well. You know, the national reach that they are able to have um, has put them in the forefront of the corporation's mind, you know, the directing of sourcing, they're like, okay, this one pallet company can handle all of this. They might be a little bit pricier or, you know, they're not getting the same quality or service level. You know, I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, it's easier for them to have all of that information and, you know, come to the corporate office and signed off right there. So they're not seeing the headaches that the warehouse managers are having because of it. Um, and to try to compete with, the national companies, it's, it's tough. And we want to work with those companies. We want to be a part of, you know, their network of suppliers that they reach out to like, Hey, I have this, you know, customer in your area. Can you service? We would absolutely love to do that. You know, anytime they come ask, but as far as servicing direct now, it seems to be more difficult than it was several years ago. So we're just trying so to really... go ahead. Sorry. 
So we're just trying to adapt and, you know, redirect our sales model from hitting the ground to making scary phone calls to corporate <laughs> And it's not something that is, you know, constantly changing. It's usually an annual or biannually type deal where they're looking at it. So it's about right timing too. They might be like, okay, yeah, we'll put you on the list. You know, the next time we source this out, um, and I'm not as patient as I should be. Type deal. <laughs> and, well, when is that? Like, when can we get that conversation up? Can I go visit yeah. the place? You know, I, I, I want to learn more about your company. So it's just kind of sitting back waiting for the RFQs to come in. And when they do, it's just, it's hard to compete. Yeah, no, and I, I, you're not the only one who said that. I think that that's a common trend amongst uh, a lot of um, family owned and operated pallet businesses across the board. And I think that um, it's kind of like, how, how do you go about that? How do you combat it? And so really, like you said, it's patience is super helpful. Maybe timing obviously is everything, but um, leaving yourself open to opportunities to still work around or within those other businesses is, is great as well. Um, I always kind of thought it was like ironic that it's like, you're as, as large as you are, you still need help eventually, you know, or from people. So it's just, it's just funny to see how massive these things have grown to be. And it's like, I still think that you guys could do a better job or pay more attention because like we were saying, right, things kind of get lost in the shuffle of things. So when you have somebody who's able to actually go on site and pay that much attention and cares as much as you do and as much as they do, that it does make a difference in the quality and the service that you receive. But yeah, so it's it's funny how the uh, everybody find it kind of feels the same way. You know, yeah. everybody is experiencing same issues and uh, and difficulties. And I've learned more about that attending you know different conferences as of recent. The first couple of years, mm -hmm. I didn't really even know much existed. I was kind of in my lane, focusing on myself, not really you know emerging myself in the actual industry and attending conferences like the NWPCA and being in a room of hundreds of professionals in our industry that like, truly understands what you're going through. And, you know, they're doing the same thing, you know, they're experiencing the same troubles. They might be in, you know, Houston, Texas, but, you know, we're still handling the same, you know, issues. And it just, it's nice to feel like you're not alone in it because sometimes it does yeah. like a pretty lonely industry. Um, so attending the conferences and just really like trying to expand my network has definitely helped as well, you know, because a lot of people may not know who Heritage Pod is, even though we've been in business, you know, for 25 plus years, we're still in a small town in Georgia that people, you know, aren't fully aware. So getting more visibility and, you know, connections with, you know, brokers and, you know, the national pilot companies. So that way we can partner with them is just, you know, kind of a change that we've been making. And it just really has opened my eyes you know, meeting with these people and, you know, some big names in the pallet world that I wouldn't think twice about before, but it has just really inspired me as a sales rep and just really wanted me to dive deeper into the industry. That's great. No, I think, I think that's a really good point. So like you're saying just that exposure uh, has kind of opened you up to a side of things that like you guys were not intentionally closed off, but do you just feel as though it's like, Nobody really goes on and looks for a convention necessarily about pallets or, you yeah. know, how did you stumble across that? Um, I was the first one I was told to go to. So, okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> 
the other sales rep, she's no longer um, working with the company, but we were kind of told like, hey, this is something that we need to do. And to be honest, I didn't know what the benefit would be before I went. But then you go and, you know, aside from the speakers and, you know, all that great stuff that they have, you know, it's just the networking is, you know, it's unmatched. It's just when are you going to get 700 pilot professionals in a room at a time, you know, and just be able to talk. And my goal is to have more of a national footprint as well, but not in the sense initially where Heritage Pilots is delivering our pilots, you know, across the country. But I want to partner with pilot companies like ourselves, you know the mom and pop type pilot companies in different states. And if I have a customer that has, you know, a second location in a different state, I want to feel confident enough, you know, with a relationship with another pilot company that I know that you're going to get the same level of service I can provide great quality and just really treat them the way that we treat our customers. So being able to find pilot companies, you know, like that and just connect with them has just been invaluable. Yeah. I that's exactly what the palette plug is. You know, it's yeah, really exactly. trying to <laughs> put people in a in a one place where they can all kind of connect and communicate with each other and make each other more aware. And I think that it's super important in this day and age to give more people awareness of how many others there are out there like themselves and to promote that like ease easy connection. And I, I don't think I, I told you, but I do have a, a Facebook group as well called palette professionals uh that like is meant to do the same thing it's meant to be a place that's awesome yeah 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 so feel free to join that um but uh, you know it's it's the same concept you know it's meant to i feel like a lot of people are on social media it's and so you want to make sure you're taking advantage of and using as many of these ways to connect and communicate with each other as possible um so I I was kind of curious since we were talking about like difficulties, like, can you think of a specific time with a customer that was like really, really tough to build that relationship or to like deliver on what they were looking for that like really stuck with you and was a learning experience? I would say a recent one that I've had um, is when personnel changes over when you have a relationship with you know um your customer and you've either been servicing them for a long time and then a new manager comes in and takes that position and has his relationship which i appreciate like if you have a relationship with your pallet vendor i appreciate that because i hope when you know there's any moves with my customers that they would bring me into their new warehouse so when i go into place and they're happy with their current supplier or they're bringing in a different one i'm like okay i get it but give me a chance, um, you know, to show you exactly what we can do for you and, you know, yeah. relationship as well. Um, most recently, um, I closed an account with a warehouse manager that was going back and forth between two different facilities, two different states. Um, he expressed to me all of the issues that he was experiencing with his supplier. Um, we were able to get in, save him some money, save him on lead time, um, quality, just really solved and checked all the boxes that he was looking for and, you know, worked with the account for a couple months, nothing, you know, too long-term, but, you know, everyone on the floor level was completely happy with their services. Um, he moved back to the state that he is from and, you know, maintained over there. So they brought a new warehouse manager in that had a relationship with the company that was, I wouldn't say kicked out, but business split. So okay. decided to solely go with them, not really knowing anything about us. He came in day one, made the decision. I have a relationship with the other people. Um, gotcha. So we're going in that direction. So it's just kind of constantly battling that. And I let him know, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate the honesty and the transparency, um, you know, but can I come down and sit and talk to you, you know, just to see exactly 
you know, where your hat's at. And if there's an opportunity for us to be a backup vendor, or if you guys find yourself in a bind, you know, we're already set up and we can help you just kind of, you know, start that relationship at a smaller level than the one he currently has. But, you know, I don't want to just write it off like, okay, I can never get in the door because he's right. already connected with somebody. I'm like, you know, I know our starting point of the relationship and we can build on it and, you know, build up some trust and, you know, hopefully I can be someone you can turn to in the future. I think that's super helpful to note. You know, it's like, even if you can't come up with a solution immediately, like you can still, whether it be the emergency situation that they need somebody else or down the line, something goes wrong, they need to reconsider. Like, I think that sometimes it's hard when you're in the moment and you're just like, I want to sell my ballots to you, you know, and then you get the no and you're just like, ah, man, all right, well, you know, let's just move on to the next one. And I think that's sometimes difficult in the sales process, right? Is like, you're just so focused on bringing in and bringing in and bringing in that like, it's hard to loop back around sometimes, or it's hard to focus on, um, you know, establishing the good relationship to where they actually want to reach back out to you at some later (laughs) point in time. So I think that, uh, that was that was a good example. I think that that was valuable, and hopefully, people can recognize the importance of keeping in touch and and continuing to like put your name out there, even if it's not immediately that somebody wants to act on it. It's like focus on still proving that you can be of value, whether it's Absolutely. now or later. Absolutely. Um, never want to so close I, the door completely. What was that? I never want to close the door completely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's tough sometimes. But again, it's like if you focus on providing value, I think that that's the biggest thing. Like I have this note written down for myself. that's like, don't focus on the money that you will make, but the impact that you will have. And I that's just something constantly try to remind myself, right? It's like, okay, sure. It's really easy to get caught up in the money, especially when you have bills to pay. But at the end of the day, if you try and just focus on providing value and being impactful, I feel like that can pay itself back, even if it's not financially, you know, it can be uh, emotionally, you know, it's very rewarding to to feel good about what you're doing and the things that you're doing in life. So um, yeah, strongly believe in that and yeah. super important. Dollars <laughs> before a deal closes, you're not in it for the right reasons. Um, you know, so it's just, yes, that's great when it comes to it, but I think it's more of the personal success and reward that you feel closing the deal and keeping an account, you know, they put their trust in you and they put, you know, potentially risk their job almost, you know, if they make that, you know, (laughs) they're putting a lot in your hands and to, you know, not just sell them on it, but to prove to them that they made the right decision by switching to you. It's, it's extremely rewarding. And when, um, one of my customers that I've had, like I said, from the first year I started, um, I host a holiday lunch for them every year. So I go, I get to go up and visit them, you know, more frequently than that. But this one we look forward to is, you know, I come bring big lunch and he loves doing his speeches and he's so, so sweet, but (laughs) he he loves telling the story of, you know, I remember, you know, seven years ago, you know, this young pilot girl came in and, you know, (laughs) I asked her, can you handle this business? Like, you know, we order pretty regularly, custom split loads. Like, you know, there was some requirements to his load and I told him, absolutely. You know, and he's like, honestly, he's like, I wasn't expecting it. He's like, but you know, we're here seven years later and she's <laughs> always been right by me. She's, he's like, I will never talk to another pallet supplier again. It just feels good. You know, it feels good that they see that they recognize that. Okay. Yeah. This, this was risky. You know, she hadn't been pallets, you know, but six months, 
you know, and I'm making a business move to switch my business to her and, you know, to be able to deliver on that and to be recognized, you know, it's, it's very rewarding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially like this is he owns the business like this isn't just like the warehouse manager of some place like he's, he's, he's a warehouse manager, but he's been there 30 plus years like he's getting gotcha. Every year he tells me he's retiring, but then he stays on for a little <laughs> bit longer. So we make it to our next holiday lunch. Um, yeah. So he's, you know, been with the company and provided a lot of value, um, you know, to his bosses and just you know, one of those guys that knows the industry so deeply and you can learn a lot from, you know, anytime you sit down with, but the fact that he recognizes that, you know what, it might have been a risky move, but it paid off. Yeah, no, that's, it, that is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's, it does, it feels good. And I mean, the fact that he stuck around for that long just proves that you guys are doing something right and doing it in a way that is beneficial to everybody. So that, that is exactly what I'm talking about. So thank you for sharing that. I, I oh, think that was a great story. Uh, real quick, is there any time restraints or anything like that? No, just no, like, no, okay, no. cool. I just want to make sure I can keep wow. asking. Um, so I, I was curious, like, do we know that there's been supply chain interruptions, disruptions and things of that nature? COVID was pretty hectic as well for mm -hmm. a lot of pallet companies. So how did you guys adapt and, and like what lessons do you learn throughout that time period? And to this day, like what do you still continue Ooh, to learn and try like and do? That, I, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, that, that was a crazy time period and it still trickles in. But um, as I mentioned before, the owners bought the company in December of 2019. I had my son January 2020. So I came back from maternity leave um, wow. right at the beginning of March. So they had just purchased the company, still trying to figure out all of that. Both of actually, the other rep um, had a baby is the same time as me. So both of their reps were out on maternity leave. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And then COVID happened and it was just like, oh my gosh, um, what are we walking back into? And yeah, we were fortunate. I'm not sure if other uh, pilot companies were lucky as we, but we didn't have any days where we had to shut down. You know, we were um, deemed essential right off the bat and we did not have any cases affect us. Um, so wow. we were fortunate in that regards. Um, but it just changed completely because pallets went from being like in the back of everyone's mind and not really, you know, forefront to there being a massive shortage. And all of these people that I've called on in the past that wanted nothing to do, you know, with me, <laughs> knocking at my door, calling, calling, you know, everyone needed pallets and yeah. off the bat, we wanted to help anyone that we could, um, the people that are calling us and we did, you know, keep along a couple long-term customers from that time period, but we would also have a lot of people use us for a load or so, um, gotcha. with our inventory, you know, being so up in the air because other business shut down, core supplier shutting down. Um, we had to make a decision, okay, are we going to push the envelope and try to get as many loads out as possible? Or are we going to take care of the people who have been loyal to us, you know, before this? And we made a decision, you know, the right account we can bring on. But for the most part, we wanted to make sure that our customers were taken care of and make sure that they weren't running out of pallets. You know, we weren't trying to bite off more than we can chew. But it was just definitely a switch, I wouldn't say of power, but of dynamic um, in the industry. And pallet suppliers, you know, became more respected. People really appreciated what we did to keep the supply chain going. Because um, yeah. pallets are, you know, literally they move the world. That's right. <laughs> world, but people don't see that. And during the pandemic, we got a little bit more recognition for the hard work that's put into it. 
Um, but it was just kind of a game too of keeping up with the rates and labor costs, material costs, and you know, constantly having to adjust pricing models to our customers. It you know that's hard to do. You never want to give a price increase, but when your your nails go up 125 percent, it's just wow you know, labor. You know, you gotta you gotta go with it. And yeah, I think we're all still <laughs> feeling the effects from it. But it just if you made it through, then you know you can make it through anything. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think you, you brought up a really good point that um, Randy Ellington at a, a Pallet Sales and Recycling had mentioned as well, which is just like you had that, that teeter totter of like staying loyal to the people that you've been working with for years, or going after like larger volumes and prices, mm -hmm. right? And the fact that you guys did you, you did the same as he, as he said, you know, like he stuck with what who he had and stayed loyal to those people, and I feel like that is again a big differentiator of the people that kind of had to combat COVID. it's just like did you go after the the high dollar amount or did you just continue to do what you had to do to just adjust and accommodate like the massive changes that came across you um from from the nail pricing increase to lumber increases to labor exactly like you had said so uh, it, it just continues to like go back to you being a, a family-owned business, I feel like, is that you guys make those decisions based off of the fact that, like, your reputation and your name is what you value more than just the product and the price that yeah. you get to sell it for. We don't want to be known as someone who drops the ball. So we <laughs> hold the ball unless we are prepared to, you know, play. So anytime a new account would either would reach out to them or, you know, they'd reach out to us, we'd have a full sales meeting with, you know, the entire team, you know, production manager, general manager, owners, sales reps to be like, okay, this is the customer or prospects needs. Can we handle this confidently? And if we handle it, is it going to disrupt our service to our current customers? And, you know, we would talk it through completely. And, you know, there were times where like, we can't do it. And then there were times like, yes, let's make this happen. And, you know, we've kept the customer, you know, through the pandemic and we still service them today because they realized, you know, okay, they took us on in a time that nobody was taking anybody. And yeah. <laughs> they upheld their word. We didn't have one single missed delivery to them, not a single rollover, you know, every single wow. delivery that they had was scheduled and delivered on time. And they recognize that. And they tell us, you know, people are coming in, maybe be not our price right now. They go, but what you guys were able to provide to us during that time of need beats out, you know, a couple cents savings for us. So, you know, you recognize that and they see, and they appreciate when you're honest with them and be like, you know what, I can't do that. You know, because if you say you can't do something, then you're like, okay, they'll move on. But if you say I can do it, but then you realize you can only do half of it, that puts them in a position. Yeah. And, you know, they'd rather know right up the back, like, yeah, I can help, you know, maybe two loads a week I can provide to you. So I'm like, yeah, I can do it all and then keep delaying shipment. Um, so as long as you're upfront with the customers and communicate with them, they, you know, even if it's bad news, no one wants to get bad news, but it's better to hear it up front than, you know, it become a snowball effect and a bigger issue. Um, it's kind of quicker to nip it right in the butt at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, again, it's the like the dollar amount thing too. You know, you guys aren't just like honing in on the opportunity where it's like, oh, well, this would be great. Let's just kind of forget everything else that we got going on and all the other customers because, it, you know, God forbid that you guys did chase those things. The customers that you let go trying to get back nowadays would probably be not possible. So I, I, it's 
it's just like super valuable in the ways that you guys approach things. And I, I really appreciate it and really appreciate hearing about it. So I hope that, you know, people who tune in can be like, wow, okay, like, if we're not already doing it, then these are things that we should try and implement. And for people new to the industry, it's just perspective, you know, like, I think that's the the most important thing is that's what this place is meant to be is to share and to learn and to hear what others are doing and how you can change what you're doing or kind of validate what it is that you're already doing and being like, all right, cool. Like I'm not, I'm glad I'm not alone in my efforts. <laughs> um, I think there's a big transition of passion when you enter the industry. You know, I felt like I was just kind of, you know, a part, you know, I was just in the industry. I wasn't fully a part of it. You know, I just kind of, you know, was teetering around, but, the more you put into it and the more that you love what you're doing and love what you're selling, you become a part of something so much bigger and part of the supply chain. And, you know, aside from just pallet conferences, I attended um, like a warehousing research console um, in Orlando last month. And it was so informative because I got to see, you know, problems and different areas that the warehouse managers and our customers, you know, were kind of honing in on. I was like, oh, okay, I never thought of it that way. I've never seen your perspective of it. Let me sit back and listen and then take that into the pallet world and see how I can, you know, become more valuable to them. And it just, it's constant learning and just, you know, really putting yourself out there, like doing this, this is so out of my comfort zone, but I was like, you know what, if <laughs> I can help somebody that's looking to get into it or you know, provide any, you know, level of value to somebody, you know, it's worth it. It's worth the yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's literally this whole conversation, I feel has been super valuable, not only to, to for me, like, and just learning and learning about you guys and being able to talk and share about it, but also for somebody listening in, you know, I feel like you've, you've presented things in a way that really focuses on honesty and integrity and consistency and, um and pride. Again, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing that we always keep coming back to, or I personally keep coming back to with, with what you guys talk about and do. Um, so yes, absolutely. I think that, uh, it's doing, I have another quote that's written down and it's, uh, do the things you fear and the death of fear is certain. Yeah. And so I, it's always something that I try and yeah, I, I have a whole bunch of quotes just written in front of me. So every single day I can keep looking at them and be like, okay, okay. You know, these are good things to remind yourself about. But um, so I, I'm curious, like with innovation and all these new technologies and things like that. And you had said how, um, you know, your owners are are working towards lessening the workload on the laborers, making their life a little bit easier, but not fully kind of removing them from the equation. Like what what are things that you guys do over at Heritage as far as innovation and advancements go? Like so, technology processes. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry mentioned before, you know, one of the owners is old school pen and paper type thing. Like he still yeah. <laughs> every single pallet that comes out of our facility by hand. Um, wow. Yeah. Pen and paper. <laughs> he has his metric calculator that calculates board square footage and he's great at that. Wow. Um, Stephanie, the other owner being more, you know, of a millennial and technology driven and knowing that there's easier and more efficient ways to do things started onboarding um, different systems. Like we just um, onboarded Pallet Connect. Okay, so nice. Help, you know, with inventory management, scheduling, um, specs, you know, because we still have the Rolodex with, you know, a build sheet, give it to the builders. This is how it is rather than have it automated. So we're really excited about that. We still, you know, are in the process of bringing it on. Um, so we haven't fully implemented it yet. 
but it's just new for us. Um, I can even go back five years ago where we didn't have an online scheduling system. So an order would come in, I would call dispatch, she would write it in her book and I would hope that the load went out that day. There's just really, <laughs> you know, exactly what it is. So bringing something small as, you know, uh, online, you know, dispatch schedule that we can all see, we can all edit. And it's just small changes like that from being, you know, a mom pop company that just, you know, focus on building pallets to focusing on how can we, you know, better our operations and make it easier for everyone involved. And it's just, it's nice to see. And, you know, the owners tell us all the time, like, if I need anything for sales, like, would be happy to do that. You know, let me know if there's a lead generator or something that we're going to ask on. Um, if you recommend any, please let me know. Cause I haven't found any fully that like, I feel confident, you know, signing on to, but they're open to bringing things in. Like, okay, we understand you can't drive around every single day finding new business. So what tools can we bring to the company that can help source those out? And, you know, it starts in the office and it goes all the way up to the production yard where they're looking at, you know, automatic systems, you know, dismantling it. That's totally their verbiage, you know, all the different saws and stuff. I yeah, yeah. on it because I don't know enough about it. But Fair. Yeah, yeah. that's why I wanted to focus on sales and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but I know that they're always looking on how they can bring in, you know, new automation that is, you know, user friendly and user operated. We're not trying to lose any jobs. If anything, we're trying to get a second shift going on. You know, it's just we're looking to grow and, you know, to bring in more people. It's hard to compete with Amazon's popping up left and right, you know? Yeah, everywhere. Literally. <laughs> everywhere, you know, a lot of jobs um, to be had, but we're looking, you know, to bring in more people. We don't want to take away, you know, the jobs people. And we've had some of our um, builders with us for over 20 years. And wow. yeah, so we just want to make sure that we're investing in their day-to-day -day responsibilities because it's, it's brutal. It's it's tough to build pallets. Um, yeah. Said I'm I'm happy to sell them, but you know, <laughs> I'm not going to repair them. Yeah, that is that is totally reasonable. It's definitely not an easy job. Um, literal blood, sweat, and tears go oh, into okay. those things. So no, I think it's super important, and I, and I love that you you had said that like you guys aren't looking to to take away jobs, and that's. That was really kind of where where I was going with the question. I also appreciate your honesty and the fact that you're like, I really don't know that much about those things, so let's not speak on it. But yeah, like as as far as like you said, Palette Connect sounds really great and uh, super helpful in regards to everything, especially moving away from pen and paper. Which like again, it's like if it works, why change it? But it's like, well, if your life can be easier, why not think about it, you know? Um, and, and then from your, uh, your scheduling um, technology, you had said too, I, I was kind of curious, like, is there stuff on your day to day that, that you try and implement? Like, do you, you as, use any CRMs or, or anything like that? Yeah, we use one page CRM just because there's only two of us right now. I want it okay. as, you know, less complicated or complicated as possible. Um, mm -hmm. CRMs just have so many extra features that like we're not using because we have such an open line of communication that it's just like, I know what he's working on because you know, I'm helping through it. And then he's knowing what I'm working on because you know, we're constantly talking about it. So it's just more to have the CRM available to keep us on task. Um, you know, to be right. like, okay, wait a second. I haven't followed up with 
you know, this prospect in a while. This is where I am in the sales process. I need to get to the next step. How are we going to do that? So it's more accountability for, you know, our own individual process, but also like to kind of make sure we're not stepping on each other's toes. Um, but I'm, I'm still looking at different ways to, you know, better our process. Um, like I said, it's just so new to me to be the manager and try to, you know, have the, I have the freedom to kind of mold it how I want to. And I want to make sure, you know, I'm doing the owner's justice um, and make sure that, you know, my rep feels confident. So we're still looking at things right now. We do a lot of just Google document shares and um, stuff like that. Nothing, nothing too advanced yet. Um, <laughs> anyone has any recommendations, anyone that's listened to this and be like, Hey, this is how we do it over here. I would love to hear it. Um, you know, if they can reach out to me, that would be very helpful. Yeah. So there you go. Whoever's listening, if you do anything different, you use any different technology, uh, feel free to write in the comments or send it directly over to Ashley. She would definitely greatly appreciate it. And I love learning about new things too. So definitely please share it with me as well. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm just talking to you. I'm like, oh wait, yeah, people are going to see that. So. Yeah. Yeah. See, and it's hard. Right? It's confusing at times too, because you're like, who do I talk to? Do I talk to the camera? Do I talk yeah. to the person in Look front of me? But tension's all over the place. So uh, yeah. But and that... It's hard, but at the same time, it's like try and uh, think of it like that. Where yeah, it's like it's there is an audience. Yeah, not not huge, but to some extent. (laughs) When we spoke on the phone, I'm just blown away with what you've done. You know, this far with it, and just giving a platform for our industry is just it's huge. And I told you, you're you're setting the bar, and you're you can mold it to what you want it to be because you're not modeling after anybody right now. You know, you're the model that people are going to, you know, follow. So it's, it's awesome that you've really, you know, put this platform for us, you know, for people like myself to, you know, talk about palettes that I normally don't talk about. <laughs> don't care. You know, no one really wants to dive too deep into it. So I appreciate you having me on here and being able to speak my passion a little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and thank you for, for that acknowledgement. And, and I, I feel like what you were saying with the uh, management, right? And like, you know, at times you're just like, I don't really know what to do. And I, but it's like, it's up to me to kind of shape it. I feel like that's where I'm at, you know, where it's like, I don't know what is the right way to do it, but I'm going to do it in what I feel good about and what makes me feel good. And it helps me go to bed at night, you know, and like makes me not have things to worry too much about necessarily. I mean, all the time it's like you post a video or you post a podcast and you're like, you know, questioning the things that you said that kind of, I stutter a lot or hesitate or whatever, but it's, I, I just genuinely look at it where it's like life is very short. And I, I think that, I would rather look back and be like, hey, at least I gave this a shot and I tried it and I sure. did it with the intention of helping people and, and providing knowledge to those who needed it, it free of charge, you know, not trying to make people pay for information. And yeah, you know, like that, that is what this is about. And so thank, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for saying that. And I, I really, really do appreciate it. And um, yeah, I hope that people who are listening you know, would want to reach out to me too. You know, I think it's a lot of me reaching out, but I think that like, I want people to know that this is a, I want people to want to talk, you know, I want people to watch people like you and see this and say, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I I could see what I would talk about on there and what kind of conversations we could have. And of course it's on me a little bit too, to provide questions, but at the same time, like 
you know, there's I know there's topics that people want to talk about. And so this is just the place to do it. I'm trying to provide that. So well, it's <laughs> funny, I um, I think I actually manifested this um, a couple of months ago. <laughs> okay. uh, because Stephanie, the owner, came across um, your podcast back in April, and she sent okay. it to the group, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, there's a podcast like the mind blown emoji," <laughs> and I responded. I said, "Special guest Ashley Testa, um, fast <laughs> Yes, <laughs> thinking I would actually get on and do it, but I had to do it, but I put it out there, I guess. And when you reached out to me, I was like, "Okay, I, I got to do it." You know, it's wow. You know, it's not anyone's bread and butter to, you know, get up and people are going to, we're going to stutter, you know, we're going to fumble over our words. Our mind works faster than, you know, our mouths. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's not what it's about. Like you said, as long as you're providing, you know, value and information out there, no one's going to think about, you know, what you said wrong. They're going to think about, oh, wow. You know, I was actually able to provide some insight and in something I didn't think about before and, you know, give people platforms that normally don't have it. So we can't focus on the small things. And I had to tell myself that before coming on. I'm like, yes, I'm going to talk fast. Yes, I'm going to stumble over my words. But the benefit of doing this really outweighed that. So, absolutely. And <laughs> say that again. Sorry. Thank you for making me feel comfortable. Oh yeah, I, that's the one thing I feel like I'm good at. You know, is like I don't know a whole lot about you know anything. Yeah, really. Like I. I've, no, very. What is it? I can't remember the quote. Uh, write it. Write it on your board next. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's like uh, master of none. Uh, oh, master. Yes. Um, it's something like master of all trades. Something master at none. I know what you're talking about, but I use like something similar all the time. Um, in my day to day life, actually, funny story. I went wakeboarding at a cable park um we have up the street for the first time oh that's cool yeah it's been here for years and i have um, a 13 year old stepdaughter who she was so scared to do it um so we did like a girls clinic where it was you know only beginners only girls kind of make yourselves feel more comfortable and in nice totally new experience and you know took her several times to you know get the hang of it and i got up the first time i did it i was up and running she's like well she's like how'd you do that? She's like, I knew you went well. I mean this confidently. Like, this is not what I'm trying to say, but I am good at a lot of things, but I'm not great at many. And I said, I prefer to be great at fewer things than like, you know, decently good at a lot of things. And I think that's the quote that you're trying to say. Yes. You know, yes. I can't think of exact words, but she's like, I know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm good at things, but you know, I'm not a master of anything. Like I still, you know, wiped out several times. Um, you know, but it's just having the courage to get up and do something about it. So yes, absolutely. And I, it's funny, because my friend, who is like, he's the type of kid that like, he'll pick up any sport, and be very good at it very quickly, you no, know? And, like yeah, yeah. And he, he was he said to me the one time, he's like, you know, I really, really respect the fact that like, you're still willing to do something, even if you're not good at it. And I was like, Oh, God. Oh, what am I just supposed to like stop? <laughs> you know? I've been like, hey, you're not great, but like, you know, you're doing it. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I was bad. <laughs> right, right. But at the same time, it's like for for somebody like that, where like he's super critical and like really thinks about like he'll literally do hours of research prior to anything. So it's like, he wants to go into it being like, I know exactly what to do. You know, like we play disc golf. And so like, he's the dude that like researches all the discs and watches a bunch of videos on mechanics and things like, 
What's that? It's like, I'm going to wing it. Yeah, I'm literally just like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to throw it. And if it goes in the general direction that I want it to, I'm going to try and repeat that. <laughs> you know, like, So, I, yeah, I, 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 I value um, the uh, ability to like learn from others as well. You know, that's really what this is for me, too, is where it's like there are so many other aspects of this industry that nobody really thinks about or talks about. And so that's what this is for me is like, it gives me a place to one, just chat and talk to people and learn, but um, to then be able to provide it back to other people I felt was super helpful because like everybody who signs up for the site, I always like to do an interview with them. And then I was kind of like, well, these are almost like wasted conversations because there's so much like funny things or like value, valuable prideful stories that they have like mom started the business out of the back of a truck and like dad started it while he was working another job at the grocery store like there's so many stories like that and I was like why not try and create a place where people can share that uh, and encourage others to be like oh okay like you know the pallet industry doesn't get a lot of recognition but like there's there's people behind the pallets there's stories behind the pallets and so that's really where it started from and then the ability I think to share knowledge was like the second tier to it. You know, it started out as stories and then there's the knowledge and who else knows where it can go from here. And passion can't always be translated, you know, in black and white text. So like, so you're doing the interviews and stuff and, you know, you can be a great writer too, but the passion that you have, like when you're talking to somebody, you know, you can see it and you can hear it. So being able to do this, you know, type of format, I think, you know, be beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah, I hope so. I'm not a very good writer, so <laughs> you can see that in the first couple of blogs that I wrote. <laughs> it helps. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all for. Like, well, oh yeah. Like hey. Over, I'm like, if it makes my life a little bit easier, I'm going to use it. You know, obviously tweaks, and you know, I really give a lot of props to it. Like, I wanted to. Yes. Exactly what I want to say, but like if it takes that level of anxiety of like my writing, you know, being exactly in point away. It's a tool and I'll utilize it. Absolutely. Hey, where do you think the questions came from? You know? <laughs> I'm sure I pitch text when I see one for sure. And I, I liked it. I was like, respect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, hey, it, uh, it's it's put in a way that is much better than I could have think of thought of on the spot, yeah. you know? So like, why, why not use it? Um, so, all right. All right. Well, we'll kind of bring it back. I got a couple more for you. Yeah. Um, and then and then I think we'll let you go. But as far as like pricing goes, right? And I'm not asking for cost of your pallets, just more so like that conversation. How how do you go about like navigating that? Um, you know, like when it becomes like a super difficult conversation, is there a time where you just say, you know, hey, we're not going to align with each other? Like, What's your what's your pricing conversation? How does that go? How do you navigate with customers that? or with management? Uh, you know what? Why not? Why not both? So, Porque no los dos. <laughs> so, <laughs> being on the field and you know going into the warehouses, you know, I kind of get a feel for where pricing's at in the market a little bit before you know management owners see it come through on documents like there's different resources that kind of show us you know where you know our area is at for a grade b grades and course is it accurate i don't 
think so. You know, no one wants to give their pricing model. So they might say it's a little yeah. higher than it is, or they're paying a little less for cores than they really are to maintain, you know, to be competitive. But mm. when I'm hearing, you know, from customers like, hey, I'm coming in thinking I'm giving a great price. I'm like, we just reduced this price. Like, I'm going to blow everyone out of the water. And they're like, oh, no, we're already, you know, getting that or we're already below that. And then you got to kind of take a step back and be like, well, how? Like, I'm trying to do the math in our head, you know, as far as, you know, what the core price is, you know, labor hasn't gone down. Yes, the material has gone down, but we have to remain competitive and keep our labor force, you know, here and busy. So that hasn't gone down at all. So I'm trying to factor in how were other companies able to provide, you know, this rate. So then I bring that to management and that's kind of how, you know, their expertise shows and really try to, you know, switch up some numbers to see how we can remain competitive. But we also don't want to play that, you know, nickel and diamond game. You know, we don't right. want that 10 cents knocked off, you know, just to get the business. We want yeah. them to see what we're providing for them is, you know, more than that 10 cents. Um, so it's just, it's hard. It's definitely hard. And, I would say for the first three to four years of me being in the industry, pricing was pretty flat. You know, there wasn't too much variable and, you know, too much fluctuation with it. It was just kind of like, this is an A grade price. This is a B grade price. This is a core yeah. price. Um, and then COVID <laughs> switched that up pretty quick. And now um, some companies are sitting on a lot of inventory and will, you know, they want to move it. They want to move their pallets. So they'll throw out some numbers. And I hope that I have a good enough relationship with my customers where it, they come to me first, like, Hey, you know, X, Y, and Z just came in at this rate. Are you able to, you know, either match or come close to where that is? Um, you know, and we'll stick with you type thing. Um, so just having that open line of communication and that trust between, you know, our current customers. And so we don't always know, you know, what's going on in the market and it's happening so fast right now where we just yeah. really try to be aware and make changes, you know, if we need to. And, First time the price goes down, you got to talk to the core customers. Core customers aren't happy that mm. their rate's going down, but you can't pay more for a core than you're selling, you know, your finished good for. It just is yeah. not maintainable. You'll go out of business real quick if um, that's your model. So it's just trying to be aware of what's going on. And, you know, customers understand even all the price increases that happened throughout COVID. It wasn't just pallets. They were seeing it with their corrugated. They were seeing it with their nails. They were seeing it with freight. You know, so it wasn't like, whoa, yeah. why is Pallets doing this? You know, it just right. followed the model. And it's just, you know, as long as you are honest about, you know, the price margin that you put on, you know, you're not trying to kill anyone because, hey, I know you need Pallets. So, you know, I'm going to charge you double what I normally would. It's just right. being, you know, at a decent rate of you know, increases and the same thing with decreases. If all of a sudden I can drop a Pallet $3, they're like, well, why didn't I get that drop a dollar, dollar, dollar? Like what's that big gap? It must've been a big time period where I was overpaying and it's just kind of, you know, just being honest. Yeah, no, I think that's super important. Um, and it, and it, it's, um, I got distracted. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, you know what? We're, we're thank you, thank you for answering that question. <laughs> I think the 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 point of just like like you're saying, like the adjustment and figuring things out. Yeah, I I kind of lost my train of thought. I'll be honest. There. Okay. Um, Happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah, especially with ADD. So, um, <laughs> what <laughs> what'd you say? Like, is that a squirrel outside? I'm like, I'm scared. yeah. No, it's my, my, that wasn't the best idea either. I should have had a stable <laughs> chair. 
<laughs> the what'd you say the chair yeah it rotates yeah it rotates i was like i should have just picked one that plants its feet on the floor and that's about it i think it's helpful if anything you know it keeps you moving around and that way you can like it's not as distracting but it's i don't know i i find the movement to be helpful at times in in keeping uh attention focused on the person in front of you so that's just my perspective everybody's got different ways of approaching it yeah i'm gonna watch this um like, oh wow sit still <laughs> <laughs> can anybody nowadays though with all the technology and you know uh instant gratification for everything it's i don't think anybody's sitting still these days um okay cool so i was gonna say uh what what advice if somebody was like trying to get into the industry whether it's i mean it's like i know that you got your your um i don't want to just say like trainee but you know your sales rep underneath you if anybody across the board wants to get into the industry, whether they want to be in sales or on the repair side, which I know you can't speak too much on, but at the same time, yeah. what what do you think is important to know? What what kind of information do you think or research should they do? Go for it. My first question when we were interviewing for the sales position, and this actually came from the owner, she wanted to know, do you love sales? If so this is the sales side of it, obviously, but like, do you genuinely love sales? Because you can be good at it. People can be great at sales, but not enjoy it. And that's kind of where Stephanie was when she was a sales rep. She's like, I'm good at this, but I don't love it. Um, so she wanted to make sure we were bringing on someone that like genuinely loves sales. She knows that I genuinely love sales. Like I get excited about it. It's just, you know, the process, you know, stimulates me. So we wanted to make sure before figuring out what you're selling, make sure you like to sell and you, something you enjoy because there's a lot of doors that shut in your face and it's not always easy, but like if you generally <laughs> have the passion for it, you're okay with those failures. You know, you're okay with not always, you know, having nice people to you, you know, yeah. a, you're okay with just kind of being told to, you know, move along type deal. Um, so if you're passionate about it, those, you know, kind of roll right off your back and then you can sell anything. Um, the industry specific, it's not glamorous. So, you know, be okay going into the back of warehouses and, you know, just really trying to educate yourself on not just what a pallet is, but what purpose the pallet serves in your everyday. Like if you go to a store and, you know, you see your product on the shelf, knowing that that came on one of your pallets potentially is just something that's really rewarding. And I think if you kind of figure out that line, then you'll be more passionate about what you're selling. Like my favorite thing about going into warehouses is just, you know, think about, you know, how the household products that you get are made or, you know, toilet paper. And you just, you don't ever think about it. It's just readily available to you. Even more, yep. everything is just instant click of a button. It's in front of me. But when you tour these facilities and you get to see either how it's made or how it's, you know, distributed or processed, it's just, it's so fascinating that the palette's a part of it and you, get to be in that, you know, supply chain circle. So if you are interested in, you know, being in sales and you are interested in logistics of how things, you know, start at one point, end up in the other point, I mean, pallet sales can be for you. And then I've, I don't know about yeah. the repair people. I just think you have to be <laughs> hard, hard worker. Um, yeah. But, you know, everything can start a small scale. You can, you know, start doing pallets out of the back of your yard or your garage you know, it doesn't have to essentially be in a big facility, but as long as you're a hard worker and you're ready to hustle, you know, the pallets are out there, the business is out there, the materials are out there. It's just, 
you really have to want it. Awesome. I, I, I think that's great. And I, I it kind of made me think about like when I was going out and picking up pallets, how like you walk into a, a facility and it's like, oh, what do you guys do here? Like there's one local to me that they take in large pallets of um, a certain juice box and then they break those pallets down, re-pallet, re, like right. restack everything on a different pallet and then redistribute it out from there. And yeah. it's like, wow, your sole focus is to just do something like that. But then there's the manufacturers who like literally make the supplies that you're talking about or um, like a lot of like e-com commerce businesses where they are just like importing things from other places putting it on a pallet, sending it out, or it's all coming in on a pallet and then they need the pallets to organize within the warehouse. And then they're just selling everything or shipping it through UPS, things like that. Like, oh, I love it. it's, yeah, yeah it's yeah. really cool. It is very interesting to see how everything around us gets to where it's at. And I think that the idea of like ease of accessibility has kind of taken people away from from that and and thought process of like how did it get there what did it take to get there what's all the things that go into it like the chemical manufacturers like they all had to order things from different places bring it to one place put it all together reship it back out like there are so many levels to logistics and how things get to be in our hands and be able to be used by us that that's why I, I I value this so much. You know, I feel like we have become desensitized to what it takes to get what we have. And I wanted to kind of be more appreciative of that. And so by exposing myself to these people and to the industry, and it's not just a matter of, of wooden nails, you know, it's like, these are the things that get the things to us. So yeah. it's something to be grateful for and to be thankful for. For sure. I had um, actually this morning, I went um, to a facility, had a meeting that they are a packaging company. So you're just thinking, okay, they're doing, you know, cardboard boxes, just like every packaging company. But what they do is they build the kits for like display models um, for like massive companies. So, you know, I'm walking through their office, which is almost like a showroom. And, you know, you see them like the body armor type, you know, displays, gold fit, shows, and, you know, so many different companies that, you know, use the company I went to today to do their displays. And it's just like, oh my God, you never think that it would come from this warehouse. You know, (laughs) now when I go to stores, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I saw that on the floor model at this company. (laughs) So it's just, it's always connecting dots and, you know, everyone has a hand in, you know, the products that we get every day. Yeah, absolutely. And how like, they don't actually sell the product themselves, right? Like, no, they just have graphic designers. And I I don't know what else that takes like the machines. And they cut, you know, cut the different cardboard and, you know, build the kits and stuff. But yeah, they have nothing to do with selling or manufacturing, you know, goldfish, but they're providing, (laughs) you know, the models for, you know, the grocery stores. So that way it can be on display. And just seeing like their product line, I guess, in the companies that they work with and the reach that they have, you're like, oh my gosh, it's just crazy. It's just really interesting. And their neighbors are nearby to you yeah. relatively. Yeah. 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 So makes you appreciate your uh, your local industry a little bit more as well. I think it kind of bring things, brings things like closer to home. Um, all right, cool. So I think I'll, I'll throw one more question at you and then I'll, I'll let you go. 
Um, so I feel like you shared a good story of like that one memorable experience where the guy always likes to talk about you. So I would, I would say like, what, what goals does heritage have for the future? Are there any exciting projects or initiatives that you guys are working on? Our goal, I would say coming up is to have more of a national footprint, um, kind of mentioned a little bit before, but you know, our business model was always within hundred miles of our facility. Cause that's where our trucks go. And there's so much industry, like tons and tons, you know, endless amount of business in our area. Um, so we never moved away from that because it was, it's working and it still is working. And that would be the majority of our business, but we want to have an extended reach where we can confidently service, you know, multi-location accounts. Um, so I think that's really what's next for us is to get our name out there on a bigger scale and, um, be able to provide, you know, our service to customers across the country. So. Excellent. Well, I hope to help with that when yeah. in regards to the, the podcast and the palette plug and, you know, like, like I said too, use, use that network of, of different businesses to potentially assist you in that process. If you have to broker opportunities out and things, I'm not trying to just like plug my business, you know, I'm just trying to. Palette plug. <laughs> I saw the benefit of signing up. So, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do and, you know, partner with people that are like-minded. Excellent. Yes. I totally agree. I, I, yes, that is the goal. That is the hope. Uh, so is there any uh, closing words, any things you would like to say for people who are listening, tuning in? Well, if you've made it this far with us, we appreciate it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on, um, and giving me, you know, this platform to be able to discuss, you know, my position and, you know, heritage palettes. I hope that, you know, our name's out there a little bit more and people can reach out to us. If you guys, you know, need a partner in Georgia, we got you. Excellent. Thank you very much. I will surely include your contact information and business info in the description of the video. Um, You know, spread the word, tell people they're interested in coming on or want to talk or share whatever it is. I always appreciate advocacy from others. Um, Like she said, if you've made it this far, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Feel free to like and subscribe the video. It only helps me out more. Um, Excellent. Thank you so much, Ashley. I really appreciate you coming on today. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.